Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Midcurve Podcast. Uh, Midcurve is a group of traders, investors, in general, uh, interesting and semi-weird people who spend a lot of time thinking about the market, including uh, the NFT market, crypto market, and DeFi. Um, we, as always, are joined by our regulars here. I'm going to ask each of them to introduce themselves a little bit. And then we have a new special guest today. So first, let's start. Um, Grant, do you want to tell everybody uh, who you are in, a, in like a, a, a one-line sentence of your background? Hey, everyone. Uh, my name is Grant. Uh, my background is in traditional consulting. I fell ass backwards uh, into the NFT space a couple of years ago. Uh, and it's just been too fun and amusing for me to leave. So here I am. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, Eric, what about you? Give us a, give us a one-line sentence about you. Hey guys, it's uh, Eric. Uh, I was a former TradFi weirdo for a long time, and now I am a NFT weirdo. Great. And uh, Salty? Dang, y'all, are, we're really condensing the intros. I got to work on this. Uh, <laughs> I've been in crypto maybe longer than most people on this podcast, but scared money don't make no money, and I was scared money for a while, so I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's actually I we should dig into that at some point, Salty. I want to hear about all of your missed gains, all the all the times you could have well, been a, a billionaire. That, just, that will be a sad episode. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm a I'm an academic researcher, engineer in in real life, DJ at night. That's awesome. Okay, so uh, really quickly, uh, my name is Funky Donk, uh, also known as Gavin Purcell. I'm a, a media person by trade, mostly background uh, in TV, but also digital media. Came to NFTs a couple of years ago, um, am very, very deep in them now, and weirdly am now kind of working in media and NFTs. Uh, okay, now we get to introduce, for the first time, a, a, a special guest. This is our first guest on the Midgroup podcast. So hopefully Sadie, not the last time. Hope, hopefully <laughs> not the last. Uh, Sadie is a member of Midcurve, um, and I'm just going to let her introduce herself. So Sadie, tell us a little bit about, A, who you are, what your um, kind of day job is, and then kind of how you found your way into this world of NFTs and DeFi. Uh, yeah, sure. Hey, guys. And uh, smart of you to start with the worst mid-curve mid guest and then work your way up. So we both set a nice little floor. Not true. Them. Not oh. true. There are many worst mid-curve uh, uh, members. <laughs> Let's uh, name them now. <laughs> Funky Donk is number one worst. Um, well, yeah, now that you're, you're cheating on us with another podcast, that may actually be true. But uh, I uh, am a TradFi weirdo, to uh, quote Eric. I uh, spent my entire career in uh, finance, and today I'm a large-cap financial services investor. So I uh, evaluate, buy, sell um, financial services companies, uh, asset managers, insurance companies, um, all sorts of, of different institutions in the financial ecosystem. And, I, you know, to some degree, I think crypto kind of touches that. Um, I started dabbling in crypto in 2017, um, but over the past two years, I've had two garden leaps, uh, switching jobs, and uh, just got kind of deep into the NFT rabbit hole uh, right when it came out in 2020. Was that 2021? 2022? Yeah, 2021. That was, that was kind of like max NFT time, I feel like. Did you, did you say right when apes came out? Did you buy an ape early on? 
No, no, I bought, I like minted something else that day, of course. Of course. That's how we all, that's what happened to all of us. It's, it's the most, it's the most fun story to tell. Uh, is the, oh, I was, I saw apes and I passed. But yeah, you were, so you were there for the, the ape drop. Like you were there like since the beginning. Yeah. I mean, I'd always kind of dabbled in crypto. I had a crypto Twitter account for a couple of years and it was really that summer, really starting with Pudgies that I kind of got more involved and, and you know, never escaped. That's awesome. Uh, and okay, here's a good question for you. As somebody from the TradFi background who sees the NFT space or even the DeFi space, like what are some of the things you kind of take from your normal background that kind of can cross over in this world? Like are there are there are you seeing like that that NFTs are like operating like TradFi in any sort of way, or is it just a completely different space? Um, I think. There's a lot of adjacencies, but these days, most of the adjacency is regulatory. Mm. So a lot of people talk about, you know, the SEC or what a definition of a security is. And, and that's stuff I sort of back again all the time. I think the reality is that the space is very um, naive and not particularly sophisticated. Even the most institutional businesses in the space around how to operate in sort of a regulated traditional finance environment, especially in the US. And so I, I always find it somewhat entertaining when, you know, my crypto life and my regular life intersect, uh, you know, people talking about, you know, how to fundraise, uh, 144A offerings, you know, crowdfunding offerings, how we can, and, and most of the time I think crypto Twitter is more off base on that stuff than they are kind of in, in general. Yep, that makes a lot of sense. Is what you do, I mean, it sounds like it's like working at a college and working at a preschool. Like like what you do professionally versus then you enter the crypto world. It's like, wow, literally no one knows what they're doing here. <laughs> I, I would say it's maybe more more than that, more egregious than that. But. Even more. Okay, okay. <laughs> Like we are the the crypto world is like the is like pre evolved uh, humans uh, like uh, some sort of caveman opportunity babies they're like caveman babies. So I want to I want to be like a little bit fair, which is that most tradfi people don't know any of this stuff either. Mm, so sure. the knowledge I have is relatively specialized, and you know have been able to do a lot of interesting things at, at places that have a lot of capital and a lot of flexibility and. Um, and so I have like a unique background, even among pe like people who invest in finance. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's like MIT versus like, you know, my, my kids, like two-year-old class. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, you agree with that? Is that your experience yeah, in this I, world? I, I was going to say it's more so like, you know, I, 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 I knew TradFi is, is a, is a spectrum. And so, so. There's a lot of unsophisticated versus very sophisticated TradFi investors, but I would say it's like moving from a country club to uh, walking into the middle of the Lord of the Flies, where you're fighting over the conch and where Piggy's already dead. You know? <laughs> I can I okay. say as somebody far outside that you know my really only financial fi experience is in the crypto world. I'm I'm always surprised to hear that because. No, I get why there's uh, idiots and uh, subpar people and really just left curve stuff left and right in cryptos because it's such an inefficient market. There's so much fat to shave off. Like, like there's so, no matter how bad you are at what you do, you can come squeeze some juice out of this orange. But I'm, I'm always surprised to hear how totally incompetent people can 
can be in the TradFi world too, because it seems so much more competitive, so much more aggressive. The margins are so much smaller. That's not the case. People are, are fools there as well, huh? It, it's it's less so that people are fools, but it's I think we have you know there there is an overabundance of like articulate incompetence such as myself, <laughs> which is which is say we're like extremely good well, bullshitters. Yeah, we're, which is like extremely well educated people who who can talk at length about certain things, but you know we don't like you're not necessarily above you know within the above average in terms of actually making money but it also really doesn't matter because so much of the industry is is more asset gathering focused so having that that like having that skill set where you can articulate you know actually can can guarantee you a pretty steady living in, in, in the space right but it's it's very it's very very different like when you go from like you know the uh, uh, a traditional asset manager like a t-row to a crossover fund like a Kaiju global uh, to a multi-manager, um, like a Citadel, like, you know, or, or even you even, and then you have like the whole private equity sphere, which is, which is kind of its own game. And so it's just hard to kind of, the industry is so big, it's hard to, hard to like square it into a single box, but you're going to meet, um, it's, it's just, you know, I, I would say it's like very similar to actually the NFT ecosystem where you have guys who are like, really? Uh, and then you have dudes who are obvious giga brains. Um, and I think I think this is like, you know, NFTs as a whole are just are, are kind of a microcosm of that, which is with with even rougher edges and none of the regulation and guardrails. Right, right. Once everyone graduates from six five two nine's Metaverse University, the, the space is, is really going <laughs> to we'll level up. up. Oh yeah, we'll have diplomas then. It'll be nice. Yeah, I I I was at the I, I was, so I was at the uh, I was at the bright moments mint earlier this week. Um, to to like kind of mint my diptych uh and i saw somebody in like a zen academy sweatshirt and somehow it really really just triggered me in that <laughs> moment uh, and I, I had to i had to like leave very very quickly all right well let's hey, jump in oops sorry Saul, do you well, anything I wanted, to yeah i wanted the i mean we don't have to go down this rabbit hole but sadie mentioned it and i think um it's in the news and i you know we have we have our typical. Uh, what did Eric say? Uh, they, they sound competent but incompetent. What was the word you used? Uh, articulate but incompetent. But now we have somebody oh, yeah. who's actually articulate and competent. With us. You're right. Maybe we should ask them some questions. So go ahead, ask ask it. Yeah. Sadie Sadie mentioned securities and she mentioned regulation and there's been you know the rumblings of more Wells notices and uh, I think Lido Lido specifically getting one and stuff like that so we don't have to do this but i would i would be happy to talk about regulation if sadie has any predictions you know what she sees let's do it let's jump in i don't know sadie what's your take on that i'm curious i'm curious because obviously i will say as somebody who is watching from the outside as somebody who's mostly on the nft like you know uh non non tradfi background um I never know what of these things to trust anymore. I never know how much of this stuff is is rumors, how much of its stuff is baiting, how much of its stuff is real. So what what is your take on this, uh, on the world we're entering now, the securities and regulation stuff? It's a, it's a great question. And I don't know that anyone really can predict the future, but I'll, I'll give you a couple of thoughts. I think in some ways it goes back to kind of the evolution of a, a newish industry and, and where we are in that. And so, you know, the prior question was, you know, why do dumb people exist in TradFi? I think 
partially that's because there's just a lot of money there. And so places have gotten big and then people can subsist on looking like they do things within those places. Um, at the beginning of TradFi, um, and I have been lucky enough in my career to work with a couple of folks who kind of invented the private equity business. Um, it was the best people who came from the prior thing. So, you know, the smartest guys at DLJ or, you know, any other bank that existed at that time then went off and started their own investing business. And you, they created new asset classes, right? So it's not unprecedented and it's not unusual. I think the difference is that they were sophisticated enough to engage with the regulators in a relatively kind of toe-to-toe type manner. And so what you see here is you see this new asset class, but there's not really anyone who's kind of on the level of the most sophisticated people on the traditional side to really step up and go toe-to-toe with the regulator and make the right argument and understand where they need to have consistency of logic so they're not going to be able to get everything. And so that's, I think that's kind of my concern with where we are today is without that sort of institutional understanding, I worry the regulator just treats crypto like a bunch of kids. And that's not the right way to think about it, both from the perspective of, you know, giving crypto license to operate in the U.S., um, but also because, you know, I think there probably are pockets um, of folks who are, you know, at least understanding enough of, you know, the get puts and takes to be able to have a logical conversation. But I don't, I don't know that the regulator knows where they are or, or is going to have any sense of wanting to engage. Yeah, that's really interesting. So basically, it, it, because we're in such a kind of nascent state around this stuff, you're saying that like there aren't the power players that that exist in the way that a traditional power player kind of system might work. So that we're at a slight disadvantage because we don't have the person that can kind of go in. If you have the person that can kind of go in uh, on this to kind of fight for it, is that kind of is that what you're saying? Yeah, and then look, that's decentralization, right? Um, right. And so, you know, it's a it's a feature and, and also I think maybe a slight bug. Um, I do think over time, you know, as long as there are still gigabrains and builders in crypto, it will start to attract smarter people. Uh, mm. People who have built stuff in other industries, like genuinely built stuff, not like, you know, VC funded. <laughs> right. Well, uh, so one question is, so you're saying that like uh, Brian Armstrong, the Winklevoss twins and what's his face who runs Kraken, uh, they're not our guys. They're, they're not going to be good enough to, to do this at the level of sophistication necessary, potentially, possibly. This is definitely not an insult at any one individual. I think it's a... Oh, no, please insult. Yeah, please no, insult. no, I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> no, Sadie's got a real job. I'm not trying to make her say just that. Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. It's definitely not intended to be an insult on any... Uh, to any of them, but uh, you know, I'll insult people when the time comes. Um, I heard you. I heard you on that Ryan Carson post. Uh, post Ryan Carson space. I know you can. I know you can go after people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. SEC. Uh, yeah. Anyway, never mind. Um, yeah. So I think what that question actually is asking is like, are these people our guys? But I think it, it's it's more. It's more of a indicative of a broader problem, which is you need crypto natives who are also TradFi natives. And there's like three of us in the space. That's really interesting. And um, you can't like th- those folks are they're, they're crypto natives, but you know they're not the guys that you would pick in a vacuum to run a public company. Mm-hmm. 
Do you think that's a matter? Uh, one of the things I often think about uh, as somebody, <laughs> this is going to sound insane, but my version of this is uh, I was one of the first like kind of like hardcore gamer people to get into like the a semi-power position in the media space, right? Like, so uh, one of the things that we did when I was working at Fallon is we did like a video game week and suddenly like it was like this big deal that video games were being kind of covered as a, as a normal uh, kind of media piece. Do you think it's a matter of age? Like, do you think it's a matter of like just younger people who will grow up with crypto as a thing that they'll come into that kind of world? Or do you feel like it's more of a matter of like, find uh you know tradfi people have been scared off by crypto and that they will come on board uh like i guess what i'm saying is it generational or is it more the environment i think it's more cultural than generational but over time i think you know the same thing will happen that makes sense Daddy, how much of this do you, do you think like you know comes from the fact that um the, the initial incubation of crypto, it which just came from this like very fringe movement of, of cipher funds, right? Because I, I think the private equity example is is great because like when you look at um when you look at like guys like Schwartzman and you know like uh, Leon Black and and sort of the the early group of of guys who who kind of build the private equity business, a lot of them came out of those traditional banking finance rails. You know they went to school with a lot of the ended up going to the same schools of the people that, you know, were in those regulatory positions. So it, it seems like, like by the, when, when it was time for them to kind of go out and establish the private equity business, um, those networks and relationships were, were, were already kind of in place. So they were, they were just much, much better equipped to have conversations um, and, and help establish those frameworks. Whereas, you know, like I, I, I look at kind of the original sort of group of people that that we can attribute to for you know give a lot of credit to for the inception of the entire crypto movement uh, and it's guys like Hal Finney or like Vita like and and they're just you know I I just I it's just hard to conceive them being in the same room as like you know I'll put Gensler a Gensler aside but even even I think like um regulators that 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 would have gotten it like you know, pre uh, Bahara or or you know uh, or, or or others in that position. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think you know it's relationships and it's it's sort of a common understanding. It's also just credibility. So you know, there's some signal and noise there, but I think that's right. I think it's not that they deserve kind of to be taken less seriously, but I do think there there are some sort of like more traditional qualifications that you know people use as shortcuts. It doesn't matter whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. The reality is that it exists. And so uh, crypto is going to have to figure out how to bring on people that have the have the institutional or educational or experience kind of in their background to be able to be taken seriously. So you don't have a you know specific prediction of I'm sure this is going to happen, but like it's it's clear you probably have enough hope or optimism to remain in the space, right? And it's not like you're only buying Bitcoin because we can be sure Bitcoin's not a security. Not only do I not have a specific prediction, I genuinely think that the future is is still open at this point. So it, it's around how constructively the community is able to engage with the regulator, what they're willing to not get, and and sort of how maturely they're willing to. Yeah, I mean, I think the future is open. Is uh, I mean, that's still a, a, a much better prediction than. Uh, 
not that it is a prediction per se, but it's like better than, I mean, a lot of people will say with like, you know, oh, Gensler or, but, you know, someone's going to kill crypto. It's dead. Like it's all securities. It's all going to be gone. You know, like there's a lot of doom and gloom every time this happens. And if you've been here for, of course, even a couple of years, you know, this happens like probably six to 12 times a year is like, you yeah, know, exactly. <laughs> That's what I think is always a funny thing, right? It always feels like you never really know what's real. It goes back to my thing, like what's real and what's just uh, uh, bullshit, right? What, what are people trying to scare people with or what are people afraid of? Like the thing about the crypto space that I think is so fascinating, and again, coming from outside any sort of financial background is so much of it is is black or white in terms of what the sentiment is like there is not very many people who live in a in a normal middle ground it's either all going to go to hell or it's all going to go to the sky and like it's a very fascinating thing to watch people vacillate back and forth and maybe it's just because people have been jerked back and forth on price for so long and it's such a volatile asset in general but like it's really hard to get like true feeling of like what's actually going to happen sometimes like the security stuff is such a good example because i think people are out there like chicken littling it and and it's a really crazy thing and part of me is like you know what this is politics right politics is always going to get in the way of this stuff it feels like i've said this before but the gensler stuff in a lot of ways to me feels like he's just being reactive to fucking up the sbf stuff so I don't know. I mean, I, it's a fascinating thing to watch. I, I, you know, and Sadie, I don't know. Like, what do you th- Do you have a thought, like short to midterm, like what's going to happen with all this, or do you, do you have an idea? I don't have to make a prediction, but I'm just kind of more curious. Yeah, I guess I, I have three reactions. The first is that um, I think, in general, when this stuff comes out, not not so much FTX and like real fraud, but you know, SEC actions or news thereof. Um, I think crypto Twitter is about 50% too bearish. Um, usually they're not as bad as it sounds, frankly. Uh, so that's one. Two, um, typically those announcements are after the thing has happened. So in some ways they're actually bullish. So the reaction just isn't as logical. You know, they're removing overhang uh, that has existed. Um, you know, what the settlement has reached or a fine is paid. That, that, that is actually a bullish thing because it means that, you know, they're can continue to operate uh, and continue to be in business. And then the third thing I would say is there's this fundamental kind of agreement within the community that securities regulation being applied to crypto would be a bad thing. In my view, that would be the most positive catalyst that we've ever had. Interesting. Okay, explain that. Why? Crypto and, and NFTs sort of as a kind of smaller subset within it is just really small. I mean, institutional capital uh, is giant. Uh, how, however you cut it, right? It, it dwarfs crypto and NFTs in size. And so by creating some regulatory clarity and allowing really large uh, investors to be able to allocate to crypto and, and feel really good about it and know what they're getting into and, and, and like there isn't some sort of, you know, esoteric risk involved. I think we'd be massively bullish. Interesting. Um, okay. Anybody have any thoughts before we move on from general talk? Yeah, Sadie, I, I'd love to like know, you know, get your sense of read of like from where you said, what is sort of the institutional capital's appetite for crypto right now? How are they kind of looking at the space um in light of you know the the regulatory some of the regulatory noise that we've seen recently? So I can't speak for everyone, obviously. My experience is, is more on the 
private market side, though I do have some recent experience in Longshore. Um, I would say right now institutions are trying to have their cake and eat it too. So they they want to be seen as people who understand crypto, but it tends to be more of a marketing exercise than an actual investing exercise right now. Internally, places remain remain tremendously dismissive of the technology, of the community. Um, they're going to miss it again. So, so they're basically trading crypto like ESG at this point. Hundred percent. All right. Fair enough. Interesting. Um, okay, let's let's. Uh, thank you, Zadie. That was that was actually super fascinating, and I, I think it's a good uh, perspective to have. Let's let's jump in a little bit to this market. I think what why don't we can kind of skip the kind of vibe check right now, and I think go straight into the conversation. Um, actually, why don't we, it might be an interesting way to just to get a sense of where we're going. You don't have to give us you don't have to give me a word, Grant, but like I kind of want to hear from you where we where you kind of feel like we're at since uh, since we kind of feel like we've hit an inflection point a little bit and. And the game today is we are going to try to say blur as little as possible. So every time you say blur, uh, we're going to have to have you mint a project that I suggest at some point. So that's that's the game. So you get ready to lose a lot of money. I, I would love to not talk about it. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, the, this, this market is drier than, I don't know, the Sahara Desert. It sounds kind of cliche. But yeah, I, I don't. He like, got nervous you know, about what just... that analogy might be for a second. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> sweating. <laughs> we, we keep it PG uh, today. Um, yeah, this is just, you know, continue, continuing reverbs from, from the previous cycle, right? Like, there's no, you know, to Sadie's earlier point about as long as there's a sufficient pool of talent here, uh, the capital and the speculation will follow. Well, uh, we just haven't seen that manifest into real product yeah right yeah. and we keep coming back to it week after week I, I again i can tell you about all the projects i'm whitelisted for and the things that i think are plus av and inflippable but it's just not paradigm breaking in any way let's talk about i think it might be worth digging into um momoguru a little bit momoguru 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 <laughs> whatever it is i think it's like let me someone will figure it out but it's momoguru i think um so this was a project that launched this week and was backed by, you know, Disney execs also had like a pretty significant like, you know, story behind it. I think was VC, they had a VC raise, VC backed. Um, and it came out, did really well. This is, by the way, this is a pat pattern I'm kind of seeing is that came out, did really well. Um, dingling, bought, swept. And then it feels like that there's a moment in, in a dingling sweep uh, when it goes up. And then it just slowly trickles down. So, like, I guess the question I have when we go back to this idea. So, Grant, just to go back to you, like, was Momoguru something you were excited about? Do you think it has any sort of legs? And is this an example of like, you know, an interesting project in somebody more um, a builder that's coming into the space, or is this just like not enough of that yet? I just don't think it's like fair to cast judgment on on them yet, right? Like, because okay. they're two days out of mint i you know with the information that i have i would say yeah it's just kind of a replay of kind of you know the hype of previous cycles where are we really attached to pixar or disney sort of not really but that's going to be our tagline and that's what you know is going to justify right. uh, 0.22 times ten thousand or whatever it ended up being um capital that we're going to take uh on men and, and this is this is why we 
we have the hype that we have generated so far, right? Um, the the price action of, over the last two days is like, I mean, that's as far as I can tell, kind of the usual, right? Like it yeah. out. There's there's a couple FOMO curves, and then you know, we'll see what happens in in the artwork reveal and kind of the plans that they have in the future. I think there's some mention about potentially a game in, in Roblox um, that's in the works. I uh, don't really have a, a view on that. Like, uh, announcing a game is kind of, you know, it's it's in the scammers playbook, uh, but it can also, you know, there's that one in one, mil- mil- one in one millionth chance that, you know, it's the next big thing, right? So I just, it's impossible to cast judgment on it right now. Um, so yeah, I, I, we, we can, we can talk about Momogoro, our utopian avatars, or, or whatever the heck else has kind of been dropped recently as just this overall, first of all, lack of appetite in PFPs uh, relative yep. to everything else uh, out there in the market. And yeah, just generally, you know, a lack of innovation. Yeah, it's interesting that that utopian avatar thing was so. It, it, I mean, that literally was run back the twenty twenty one playbook in the weirdest kind of grossest way to me. Like it was, you know, celebrity endorsements. It was pretty bad PFP art. It was metaverse. It was all the same shit. It felt like just something they had been waiting on to like mint for a while. Um, and Phase Banks even was involved with it uh, somehow, which is incredible. Uh, the Momoguro one is an interesting one, and I want to dig into this a little bit just because you mentioned the the price action of like you know FOMO a couple times and then slowly dipping down and and what it is. It's been a long time since we've had a project. I would say almost as far back as uh, Digi's, where something feels to have kind of passed the FOMO curve. Now I might be I'm probably forgetting something interesting, but that's a long time ago, right? Like. I don't know, Eric, uh, or, or even Sadie, or let's start with Eric and we'll go to Sadie. Like, what, what is your kind of feeling on this uh, kind of like doldrums of new projects? It's less so a doldrum of, of new projects, but more so um, a lack of projects of substance. You know, um, we, have, we have projects launching every other day, but most of those projects just, I think they're just built to, incentivize speculation um and and in a space that's not really growing in terms of the number of participants that speculation is always short-lived uh and so you know projects that have been around for a while that are actually progressively building are not not really seeing benefits in terms of price uh and we're just it's kind of the same bank like bunch of players looking for the next shiny new thing to generate uh, excitement and interest, um, you know, before they move on to something else. So, so like, I think, I think for me, it's just like, there hasn't been any project where you look at this and say, well, like, this has a completed product. The product is actually good and interesting. Um, there is a clear vision and point of view here. Uh, and, you know, it is going to, uh, it is going to, um, really make people people excited. Um, and I think part of the issue with, with that is it's kind of, kind of like a chicken and egg problem. There's, there's, a, there's a lack of depth in terms of uh, talent depth, in terms of like people who can build like products that people want to use, you know, and that's, that's, that's a very different skill set. I'll, I'll stick with NFTs because I think that's a, like, to do that, you know, to do something that's consumer facing and really fucking compelling, 
um, is something that you need to like that requires either a lot of experience or or, or just like an it factor. Uh, and we don't have those people in those space here because because the audience is too small, um, and they can do they they can have they can do other things that are you know in Web three that are more lucrative. Yeah. Um, and and so, but but the problem, you know, it's a chicken and egg problem because on the other end, like without that, like I think it's really hard to bring more people in into this space. Well, here's the other thing I'll add to that, by the way, too, is that like the the you know the idea of what you're building and what it's going to be can also like something can be super innovative and a pretty good product and not be a financially good thing. Like uh, an example exactly. of something, yeah. So something I looked at um, this week, which I think everybody should look at, even if you don't participate in it, is this thing called McPepe's which was a really interesting project that um, I found out is backed by somebody that's been in crypto for a while. I had a little brief chat with him, but if you haven't done it, definitely go take a look at it. Basically, it is a really smart built front end that allows you to use AI to mint an infinite amount of Pepe's. There's literally no supply cap. It to me is one of the better like kind of new NFT products I've seen in a while because basically it allows you to use a generative AI engine on the webpage to create a Pepe um, from a custom model, you can then choose to mint it or not. But like from a, and you know, there's a whole other story with the token. I don't really know what their business model is, but the product was pretty interesting, right? Like the actual product was pretty interesting. It is not at all designed to be a number go up project, right? Because if you have an infinite number of NFTs available, it's never gonna, it's never gonna be an infinite number go up thing. What they're building is semi-fascinating, though, because it's a way to integrate Gen AI with NFTs. So to me, it's going to be really fascinating to see, like, what is an NFT? What, what NFTs, like, are interesting versus, like, price goes up on? Because I think this is where we might start being to, we might start maturing to the level where we're going to divorce from NFTs as speculative uh, only for sake of being speculative and seeing what can happen next to them. Um, Sadie, I don't know. I, I know you were like, I remember you were pretty into Digis when they first came out. And, and I think you had a Digi um, PFP for a while and obviously kind of watched that whole kind of explosion happen. Like, what about, um, like, what is your take on on like why we haven't seen something of that size or, or larger company kind of come out of NFTs yet? Or sorry, yet for, for a little while. Yeah, and, and I think you can kind of contextualize a little bit too. I mean, the reality of like, I don't remember how many days there are 2,000. You know, to pump a 2,000 piece project to 12 ETH, you don't need a lot of capital to come into the space or really any. You really just need to capture the attention of certain, you know, pieces of people who are already in crypto. And, and that's what Digi did. So to me, like, that's, that's what's interesting is can you get crypto Twitter? And if you can, it'll pump. You know, as the market gets bigger, you're going to need to aggregate more capital than that. But right now, it's small enough that uh, relatively small enough capital will create it. You think, but look, you either need new Ponzi's or new money. <laughs> um, I think crypto Twitter understands that the coin is the product in crypto, and so when you have somebody out there tweeting who becomes the main character of Twitter or crypto Twitter anyway, uh, they're going to understand that that is the product. Any actual product being built by the Digi team is, you know, coming later. It's speculative. So, what are you buying? You're buying the attention. And so, I think that's why that pumped, it, and that's why, you know, I was involved. It was less about, you know, being bullish on crypto gaming. I think that's an entirely other conversation. But this is just about kind of understanding what crypto Twitter values, and and you know, understanding that 
that's the new money. That, that's really the exit liquidity. I think that's really interesting. And also I would, I would dig in on your just following you in mid curve. Like you're pretty pragmatic in terms of how quickly you ship stuff off once it, once it, uh, once it kind of like uh, goes up in some ways, like, are there any projects in the space that like you believe are long-term holds or are you somebody who's just like, I'm in for this as it kind of goes up and down and I'm not going to be like looking to have anything in my, in my wallet for more than a month. I'm pausing to think about whether that is a pragmatic perspective or whether it's just my personality, but no. <laughs> yeah, it's I I you don't get attached to your JFX people. That's that, that's fair. That's fair. Um Salty, what about you? In your in your world, like are you seeing a situation where is there anything coming that's interesting or what is your take on like why these projects like, you know, nothing is really sticking around long way for a while at this point? I, I don't know connected those two questions are because uh i mean there's so much fruit to be harvested when it comes to financial experimentation on blockchains and what's possible reading all of tradfi yes which people complain about oddly enough which is like of course we're going to rebuild all of tradfi and we're going to try lots of new things probably the majority of which fail so there's a lot of like iterative things happening right now that are interesting um as far as what gains traction i think for tokens and coins it's the same thing everyone said here about nfts uh it's the, the purchasing and accumulation of attention as influencers as crypto twitter whales all this type of stuff except for a very small handful of uh lindy mostly immutable projects that serve as the backbone of DeFi. Outside of that, I think the narratives for coin for 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 other tokens are are pretty darn similar. Okay, okay. So this is an interesting thing and Sadie, this kind of brings us back to what we were talking about early on, which is if that's the case, if the case is that like the narratives are driving both crypto Twitter, sorry, the crypto Twitter narratives are driving both tokens, NFTs and coins, like how do we ever how do we ever convince the TradFi money to come in. This is this is what I think maybe is the heart of like how how this discussion happens. Because if we all kind of agree that like the TradFi money is the way that we're going to move forward, and, and maybe it does go back to Sadie what you're saying that it's purely regulation, but but it seems like from the outside, if I'm a if I'm a you know an old <laughs> if I'm an old person looking at this with a, with a big checkbook and and have some money to put in, if I were to even dip into crypto Twitter for all of like. 15 minutes, I would be like, no, thank you. This seems crazy. I see how people are manipulating the market. I see how people are driving it. I mean, is it, is it, are we just going to be stuck in this world for a while? Is that, is that what we kind of see? Like, is this just the world that like crypto is going to live in for the foreseeable future? I don't think necessarily. I think, I think it's about who, the, who we choose to worship. So, you know, the past cycle was three arrows and FTX and, you know, Danny and Andre and you know, all people who are probably bad, oh, probably man. bad choices. I, guess. I haven't thought about Danny in a while. <laughs> and if you if you if you worship value extractors, like the cycle's going to end as it. Um, I think there are better folks, and and it so you know if this cycle, those equivalents are, you know, 
like C Vibe 29 and the Canto crew, like maybe that's a little better and maybe it's not mm. so value extracted. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely something to be said for who we look to to guide us, right? Um, Grant, do you have any thoughts on that? Like in terms of like whether directly into the NFT space or about about this idea at large, about like who's 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 our who are our heroes? And sorry, Grant, before you go, I would just add to that like money will enter the space when people in the space make a shit ton of money. That's what generates new capital. And so the trick is just not to like have everyone lose it all. <laughs> Pretty hard sometimes though, right? Yeah. Very difficult. Sorry, Grant. Yeah, no, no worries. It's, I mean, the idea of losing it all and just chopping yourself up was like really wasn't unique to like this sector, right? In the, in the economy writ large over the last like 16 months ish. Um, so while like we're all incredibly disappointed and sound really bleak about the space, I'm I'm actually like okay, right? Like, and I'm of the opinion we don't really need any idols, like false or otherwise, to to worship. Like the the whole point of this space, uh, the principles in which it was built, at least, is like self sovereignty, and self sovereignty comes first from you know using your own damn brain to think and 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 to make your own decisions, right? Obviously we've straight a little bit from that as you can see um but you know nonetheless i, I return to that as a first principle for sure uh, every day do you don't you think though that in terms of the psychology of markets that eventually that is going to i mean yes i agree self-sovereignty is an amazing idea and i think all of us would 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 definitely uh uh, uh try to get to there ourselves but don't you think also part of markets is following volume, sentiment, all that stuff. And then it becomes a little bit in this world where the market is smaller, who drives the narrative that can drive the volume. That's that's the thing that I keep coming back to that's kind of tricky and, and about like how this world is driven by sentiment specifically is because it's such a small market still. Um, you're like, you're, you're spot on. Like we're kind of even internally, like the, the last 5,000 of us left in the space agree like, there's no sort of cultural talisman to, to hang on to. Like, yeah. Like to be clear, we were never cool. MTs were never cool in the mainstream. It was incredibly cringe. Um, <laughs> but you know, people yeah. saw the dollar signs and then they came running in and they kind of, you know, they did a let's let's grin and bear it. Same same thing with kind of the 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 ESG uh, parallel that you know Eric and Sadie kind of de definitely re referred to earlier on. Um, it's it's just kind of a grin and bear it situation, right? Uh, and now, you know, curtains have been pulled up and we kind of see what's left and it's, it's, it's not pretty. Right. And it's just like, for me, it's, it's waiting for the real builders of the last cycle to either give up or to come out with something new, uh, or yeah, we kind of just, you know, tread water really. And for what it's worth, that makes me like tremendously bullish. Um, if, if you don't see the type of drawdown we've seen in this cycle, I don't think you get another blow off the top. And so, you know, mature markets don't result in, you know, the kind of returns that folks have seen in crypto over the last two, three cycles. And and I, I think, you know, this is a tough period of time in terms of the number of us left and the number of builders in the space. I think that in, is inherently in itself, like just tremendously bullish for those of us that are left. That's really, yeah. 
That's, that makes a lot of sense. Um, okay, we should probably wrap up. We're getting long in the tooth here. Um, Sadie, before we go, we have everybody kind of chat about uh, uh, what we're looking forward to this week. Um, is there anything that you're kind of keeping your eye on, whether it's in the DeFi space or in the NFT space that's interesting to you coming up in the next week or two? So uh, I'm finding these... Um... Vince Van Doe, notable Pepe is sort of interesting. Um, yeah. If you go back to the like, you know, new Ponzi's or new capital, it, you know, rare Pepe's is a slightly different community. And so to the extent that, you know, it's able to cross over and, and get some traction and interest, um, that, that could be something that is interesting. Um, two of the notable Pepe's so far have been delisted by OpenSea. So we'll see. But, uh, wow. Oh, that's it. I didn't know that. That's interesting. For, are they because of DMCAs? Yep. Wow. God, that's so fascinating to me. I always forget about that. They're that is it, it's Matt Fury, right? He's the one who's issuing them. Uh, no, it's not. It's actually they're all you know different art, and so there's various. Uh, oh, right, right, right. It's actually like yes. God, that's yeah, crazy. Vince is such a big collector of Matt. I really doubt he would do that. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. But also, like, also in that instance, actually, I'd be really curious. So I got to dig in on that myself and figure out which ones got delisted because. If they're Pepe, they should be covered uh, under like artistic license, but it, it's so fascinating to dig in. I'm not sure we want to get into the controversy here, but it was not delisted because of Pepe. It was uh, it was the. I see. I got it. We can we can we can catch up, but it's a good to know what the. It's good. Yeah, it's good to know that as well. Uh, all right, great. That's interesting. I I think that the you know that Vincent Van Doe thing was fascinating because I think when it first came out, everybody was like cash grab, cash grab, cash grab, right? Like the, I think he cleared a, a remarkable amount of money on it. But the good news is like Vincent Van Doe is not somebody who is necessarily looking to cash grab now. Uh, but the thing he's, he's turned it into something else, which, you know, it's, I'm, I admire the fact that it's like, he's, he's made something that has like, has some sort of pathway out of the OE meta. Like, there's definitely other people from the OE meta who um, feel like they took a, a nice chunk of money and kind of haven't done as much. So I think that's cool. Um, okay, Grant, what about you? What are you looking forward to this week? Is anything coming up that you're got your eye on? Uh, as someone with puppy bags, I have to agree with, with Sadie. Uh, I think structurally, it's obviously like a derivative of, you know, Jack Butcher and and six five two nine. But I'm excited to sort of see what he continues. Uh, with in terms of you know the the artists i mean his rolodex has got to be one of the deepest oh uh, yeah in the industry and my reservation with uh with the prior to the mint was kind of just potential tarnish to his reputation from from the starry night capital um incidents i guess which is actually interestingly enough like looking to to um finish the final leg of this journey shall we say uh pretty soon um the the, the pieces collected on that fund are, are being liquidated or in the process of being liquidated uh so yeah I'm, I'm i'm interested to see how that um how that continues um and i think you know once 1155s get a bit more shall we say uh bid support uh sometime in the near future um let's let's see how the market forces uh take take the price action was that alpha no no <laughs> nothing i say is alpha really Sadie, you don't know this yet but the mid podcast only includes negative alpha we only yeah. talk about things that are going to go down <laughs> bonky's hidden folder 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, my hidden folder only goes up in number of items. Let's keep it that way. Oh, except for what happened to the owls? I totally missed well, that. Right? Hold Isn't on. Wait, wait for wait for my okay, time, okay. Salty. Wait for my time. I will. Yeah. I will let you know about the owls. Uh, Eric, what about you? What are you What are you looking forward to this week? Um, I'm just kind of looking forward to the to the Claire Silver announcement on Monday. Um, I feel like you know there's been a lot of excitement there. Uh, I feel, uh, by the way, through all of this, right, like one thing that has held up, I think, relatively well um, within the space and, and gotten progressively more traction is is different vectors of art um, and different creators who have been creating in the space for, for a long time. And, and so, you know, in that sense, the medium is very much serving its purpose, which you like to see. Um, but yeah, you know, she's been teasing this big announcement on Mondays. Um, and I, my bags are pretty packed at this point. So, so, you know, let's see it. I adore Claire. I don't know her personally, but I think she is going to hope. I think we're getting her on, um, this other show I work on over price JPEG soon. Um, but I think one of the coolest things about Claire is not only is she an amazing artist, but as somebody who's done, you know, some AI art myself, she is so good at representing AI art and also helping people um, onboard into it. Like one of the things about AI art that's been really tricky, I think, for people, especially but in NFTs or in the world at large, is this idea of like, if you do AI art, are you really an artist? You know, are you you're just putting things into a machine? And I think Claire is an amazing educator about like what can be done with AI art. So I couldn't be I couldn't be more thrilled for her success. And I think that's right. I think what's cool about her too, and and just from a market standpoint, is. Um, every art, every art movement has to have like kind of, you know, we go back to, we just talked about with like, you know, the influencer world or, or people that are kind of, uh, their shining star and Claire is shaping up to really be that right now for AI art. So I think that's super smart. Um, definitely worth keeping an eye on. Uh, okay. Uh, Salty, what about you? What do you have? Uh, what are you looking forward to this week? Uh, I don't think I want to name any like projects specifically. I I thought uh, it was a fun week in the in our little DeFi and tokens channel in Midcurve because uh, a lot of people were were uh, learning how to LP and feeling the pain of impermanent loss. And uh, you know we had some discussions about being an incumer. You know, like there's plenty of ways. If you have a stack that you want to keep in volatiles to get yield off that, that isn't just made up token emissions. Uh, and maybe more people, you know, it's like the consensus fallacy type thing. You just assume people know what you know. Um, but we have different expertises. But uh, I look forward to us uh, all learning together more about that. So as far as people outside Midcurve who listen to the podcast, I don't know, um, do yourself a favor and like, no, I mean, learn about options, pricing and stuff a little bit and, and learn about impermanent loss, liquidity, market makers, DEXs, order books. So these are just nice things to, to know about in you have time to read now in the bear market and you'll understand more about when they announce these new projects. Uh, although still a lot of it's an attention economy. And, and you know, I, I think, um, I mean, we talked a little about GameFi you know, the, the cutting edge seems to be not the cutting edge. I mean, just people are now doing it because it's like not do it. Game Fi, DeFi, NFT, Fi. It's like you just so so you, maybe you'll fall farther and farther behind unless you just like collecting art. You don't know what any of this stuff is. So uh, get educated this week. 
That makes a lot of sense to me. I think the other thing I've been thinking about this a lot lately is how somehow and somewhere I had a business idea that somebody's welcome to steal or, or mid curve can steal it. But like somebody needs to do like a series, almost like a masterclass series that could be a, you could charge for, but which is like a, you don't have to charge a lot, but you, you have like a, a way to catch up on all this stuff because like in an ideal world, like if you come into this, into this space, there's just so much to have to be able to learn right away. And like what you're talking about with the permanent loss, like that's something I learned pretty, pretty straightforward on my own. And then I Googled it and I was like, oh, this is interesting. This is how this works. There's just a lot of stuff for people to kind of take on. So yeah, that all makes sense. Um, okay. For me, there's two quick things. I do want to talk about the, as Salty mentioned, there's, there was an owls project, ASCII owls, very dumb, small project. But as I talked about last time, Stealth Mint came out. One guy made it. it was gonna. It got botted to shit, but it's done pretty well. I think there's gonna be places for that. On the flip side of that, always be careful. There was another thing that tried to purport itself as a Stealth Mint this morning. I don't want to name it, but it was a drainer. So when you live in this world where you're looking at Stealth Mints, you always have to watch out. My advice for Stealth Mints is always to make sure to watch volume. And generally at this point, don't mint ahead of time. Wait till it gets to a certain level of volume and that the botters have moved away from it. But... The more interesting thing I kind of am looking forward to is there was a small announcement at ETH Denver um, that I kind of think went under the radar a little bit, which is a new type of wallet that came out. Are you guys sure about this ERC-4337? Yes, the, the smart wallets, which are which yeah. cool because it, it, I, think, I think it just it recognizes the fact that most people cannot be trusted to, to remember or write down or, or keep a 12, uh, 12, um, you know, 12 word seed phrase secure. Yep. Um, and so this attracts from it. I think there is actually a like special, um, it's very optimized for gaming on chain yep. as well. Um, and just, you know, there's all sorts of like, I think abstractions that, that basically makes it like very, very much like what you would expect from a modern day smart wallet, yeah. um, which is, which is, which honestly would be like an amazing innovation. And it's something that I think, I think this is the kind of the, like the brass taxes, like infrastructure level stuff that you need in this space to onboard more people that's exactly that's exactly what i'm i, I think is interesting to me about it and i think i think that things like this are not going to be as hyped as you know the momoguru mint or 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 you know the blur uh open sea war but like this felt to me like something significant and it felt to me like something that everybody should be paying attention to because you know, we talked about GameFi briefly just then, but like games are going to onboard a lot of people into this space if they can figure it out right in, in a cool way. And, you know, we just saw this week um, Prime, the parallel token come out for the, you know, it's like, it was like, whatever, I think Parallel launched in like November of 2021 or maybe even before that. And, and like, it's finally coming to fruition. But like, if there is a world where a wallet can exist that's much simpler for people to use, this this has two-factor authentication built in. It also has the ability of like, multi-sigs to allow you to recover your seed phrase rather than having to like remember it so i just think like this is the stuff to pay attention to like these are the things that are being built now that could really significantly impact this world in the next stage and, and i think it's also the kind of thing that makes me like uh positive that there is going to be a next stage because i think one of the things i often sometimes think about when you're in the deep depth of these bear markets and you know i love always getting grant's take on where we are because every step along the way it's not been the most exciting since we've done this podcast but the idea that something like this can come out and you can just see it and you can read about it and then you're like oh i can see how that could positively impact and onboard a lot of people that feels like an important thing to me um 
So anyway, that's kind of my thoughts on that. Anybody Can have I just mention that? that we talked about owls and and no one talked about moonbirds, uh, which which to me is like a different <laughs> level of a deep cut. <laughs> that's also true. Um, I mean, moonbirds. We there's too much. We could say something. We could say nothing. I feel like there's plenty of there's. It's like moonbirds is basically our blur as well too. We don't need to talk about. Let's it. just take forty five minutes to say nothing. <laughs> A moment of silence. Take a moment of silence. That's Silicon Valley show writer's opinion of Kevin Rose uh, succinctly wraps up uh, my opinion, I, I would say. I uh, I also would love to see a Silicon Valley type of show built around NFTs. I know it's like oh, such man. a niche audience, but it would be so much fun. It would be great. Imagine. Um, okay, well, Sadie, thanks for thanks for coming on. We really appreciate you being here. This was a really cool experience, and, and we really appreciate all the stuff you brought to the show. Thanks so much for having me, guys. This was fun, and uh, hopefully your next mid-curve guest is Wayless, uh, Wayless Boring. Oh, please. Sadie, I think you were... Don't don't discount yourself. Like, we need we need this stuff. This is super smart. I mean, who are we going to have? Uh, you know, though I don't know who else would be less uh, interesting or, or more interesting than you are. So, um, anyway, uh, thanks for coming and, and on. And on Ryan Carson. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. By the way, uh, at some point we'll get into the like, where does Ryan Carson go uh, from here? Actually, maybe that will never happen. That conversation, we have, but like, we have to. We don't. I mean, he has a boat, right? So <laughs> probably there. That's pretty good. He goes on the water. Let's just get Ryan Carson on the show. Uh, Funky, just reach out. <laughs> we'll see what happens. All right, everybody. Thanks for coming in. Uh, we will see you next week. Uh, have a good week in the wild, wild world of crypto and NFTs. Bye, everybody.